Welcome to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM, the Superstation, the Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotel. It is Monday, July 5th, 2021. And we are live. Hope everybody's doing well. We know we just came off of a Fourth um, of July uh, holiday weekend for some. And we're back live. We were off uh, the air on Sunday uh, because they were re-airing shows Saturday and Sunday uh, on 9, 10 a.m. Superstation WFDF. But we're back live here today. Calling numbers 313-778-7600, 313-778-7600, if you have a question or comment. So today we're going to deal with, because we're dealing with that period of year, that time of the year, dealing with the 4th of July, or as um, Dr. Shaka Musa Barashango in African People and European Holidays and Mental Genocide Part 2, as he called it, um, the 4th of July. And this is... Uh, copy of it you know i posted the picture of book one uh which has the yellow cover book two is where he deals with he goes into the history of independence day and the fourth of july that's chapter one page one america's independence day the fourth of july okay uh this is uh book two by dr ishaka musa barashango we'll probably talk some about that on tomorrow's show all right so Basically, every day this week, we're going to deal with a different portion dealing with this history around the 4th of July, 1776, the Declaration of Independence. Today, we'll talk about Frederick Douglass and the meaning of the 4th of July for the Negro, the meaning of the 4th of July for the Negro. Now, uh, on July 5th, 1852, Frederick Douglass delivered uh, one of his most famous speeches. And it was uh, surrounding a celebration for Independence Day. The name of the speech was the meaning of the fourth, the meaning of July 4th for the Negro, the meaning of July 4th for the Negro. And in that speech, he asked the question, what to the slave is the 4th of July? So we're going to talk some about that history put into proper historical perspective, because this is uh, during slavery. This is before uh, the Civil War is fault. This is before the Civil War starts. Civil War is not going to start for another uh, eight years. Civil War, well, actually nine years. Civil War starts, I'm thinking of when uh, South Carolina secedes from the Union, December 20th, 1860. Civil War is not going to start uh, for nine years. It starts April 12th, 1861 with the attack on Fort Sumter in South Carolina. So um, we're going to share an excerpt of that speech recited by the one and only James Earl Jones. We'll talk about that speech some. We'll give you some of the background history on um, the Declaration of Independence and the signing of the Declaration of Independence, uh, July 4, 1776, when four of the 52 signers of the Declaration of Independence signed it. it uh, the other 52 uh, of the 56 signers did not sign it until August 2nd, 1776. But we're going to also deal with a very, very important question. Um, the members of the Continental Congress um, agreed on the Declaration of Independence. They agreed on it on July 2nd, okay, on July 2nd. So the question has to be asked. See, the colonies had already voted 
for freedom from British rule. But debates, uh, but but what happened was that's on July 2nd, they agreed on it. Why did it take to July 4th to adopt it? Why did it take to July 4th to adopt it? Well, the debate was over slavery that held up the adoption of the Declaration of Independence. So we're going to talk some about that as well. That that that, that debate that took happen. Why that debate that debate that happened? Okay. They voted on it on uh, July second, but they didn't adopt it to July fourth, and the debate was over slavery. So we'll discuss uh, some of that as well and give you some background history on the Declaration of Independence. All right. Now, and this is taking place during the American Revolutionary War, which is 1775 to 1783. Okay. Now, on the African History Network show, we focus on educating, empowering and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world, because right now it's correct wrong behavior. What you do for yourself, what you do to yourself and what you allow other people to do to you and get away with is based upon what you think about yourself. What you think about yourself is based upon what you have been taught about yourself. What you've been taught about yourself is based upon everything you've read, heard and seen about yourself. So when you control the radius of a man or woman's thoughts, you can control the circumference of his or her actions because the mind can't do or teach what it doesn't know. Now, we deal with a number of different topics here on the African History Network show. We deal with current events and history and politics, education, economic empowerment, entrepreneurship, relationships, love, sex, health issues and much, much more. Sign up for our email newsletter. Text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T. The 22828, the sign up for our email newsletter, text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T, the 22828, the sign up for our email newsletter. Also visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, and sign up for our email newsletter there as well. Okay. Now, uh, we had a new online course that started up Sunday, July 4th, the 4th of July. Uh, my 10 week online course, Ancient Kemet, the Moors and the Ma'afa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. Ancient Kemet, the Moors and the Ma'afa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. We had a fantastic class. Number one, you can still register for this 10 week online course. It is going to meet on Sundays, 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We'll deal with thousands of years of history and we'll deal with what led up to the transatlantic slave trade taking place. We do the class live. All the sessions are recorded. You can go back and watch it over and over again. Visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Uh, scroll down the home page. We have the information for the online course there and the flyer 10 week online course is regularly $130 is on sale $80. Click right here. Register here. It takes you to the next page. And click on enroll. As soon as you register, you can watch class number one. There's also bonus content from the Saturday class that's wrapping up of the same uh, course material. And you can go back and watch the Saturday class, classes one through nine. And you can watch the June 12th uh, uh, session of our class, June 12th, 2021, with Dr. David M. Hotel, author of the book, The First Americans with Africans Documented Evidence, spoke to my class. It's exclu exclusive content only for uh, the African History Network class. He spoke. To, he, he had him speak directly to my class. He's a friend of mine. We're going to have him back again. 
And uh, he spoke to my class, also archaeologist Nubia Wardford, who's an African-American female archaeologist who goes to the Sudan to do archaeological digs. She spoke to my class as well. So as soon as you register, you can watch that archive content and you can uh, watch class number one and you'll be ready for class number two uh, this coming Sunday. We'll post a link here. Um, also, that's ancient Kemet, the Moors and the Ma'afa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade where they didn't teach you in school. All right, we're going to jump into this content, and later in the show, I'm going to tell you about a new 10-week online course that uh, is going to blow your mind that uh, we're going to be offering uh, this week. It's going, to, it's going to come up, and it's going to start in the next two weeks. I'll tell you about that shortly. All right, I want to jump into um, this information here dealing with Frederick Douglass and the 4th of July. Now, uh, a little background information of the 4th of July so we could put all this into uh, historical context. Uh, uh, History.com has a really good piece dealing with uh, 4th of July Independence Day, 4th of July uh, Independence Day. And there's a, a, this whole week we're going to deal with different aspects of uh, this history and African-Americans who fought in the American Revolutionary War um, uh, as well. And it, it's just a ton of articles that I have to share with you. I can't, we can't cover all this information in, um, in one show. But the 4th of July, also known as Independence Day or July 4th, has been a federal holiday in the United States since uh, 1941. Okay, since 1941. And the tradition, uh, the tradition of Independence Day celebrations goes back to the 18th century and the American Revolution, okay, the American Revolutionary War, which is 1775 to uh, 1783, 1775 to 1783. Now, on July 2nd, 1776, the Continental Congress voted in favor of independence, independence from Great Britain, okay, is you have the 13 colonies, and they're dealing with taxation and they're dealing with a monarchy, King, King uh, George III. Uh, now, King George III's wife was an African woman, Queen Charlotte Sophia. OK, so the so the uh, the show Bridgerton, I think it's on Netflix. They portray Queen Charlotte Sophia in there. OK, she's of African Moorish descent on her mother's side of the family. And she was the wife of King George III. Okay, who was the king of England, who the 13 colonies are fighting against. Keep in mind, during the American Revolutionary War, the British are going to tell the enslaved Africans on the on the on the on the US side, on the colony side, if you come fight for us, when the war is over, we're gonna set you free. They were the first ones to say that. So you had more African people fighting on behalf of the British than you did on behalf of the colonies. Because because the British were the first ones to say, if you come fight for us. When this war is over, we're going to set you free. So we were born at night, but not last night. Now, on July 2nd, 1776, the Continental Congress uh, voted in favor of independence, voted in favor of uh, of independence. And two days later, delegates from the 13 colonies adopted the Declaration of Independence. Okay a historic document drafted by largely drafted by Thomas Jefferson. He was part of, he was part of that five man uh, committee. There's a famous painting that you uh, uh, see uh, of the people think it's the signing of the declaration of independence. 
but it's actually the drafting of the Declaration of Independence by a five-man committee. And it's June 28, 1776. It's a famous painting done by, um, um, what was his name? Uh, um, it, it'll come to my mind. Same one that did the famous painting of um, William Billy Lee and uh, John Trumbull. John Trumbull. Same one that did the famous painting of William Billy Lee and uh, George Washington. And people mistakenly think because William Billy Lee is wearing a turban, he's not a slave. No, that's that was that was uh, William Billy Lee, who was Thomas Jefferson's personal valet. He was a slave. When you go study George Washington's Mount Vernon plantation, George Washington allowed slaves to practice Islam and Vodun on his plantation. That's at Mount Vernon org. That that history. The Mount Vernon was his was his plantation in Virginia. Okay. Um, there's a famous painting. We're coming up here on the break. We'll show you this on the other side of the break. Um, but it's the uh, uh, drafting of the Declaration of Independence by the Five Man Committee, and, and this is where uh, people get this myth that uh, uh, John Hanson was black. Well, I'm sorry, back up. This is where people get the myth that the uh, John Hanson the president of the continental uh, uh, of the uh, the president under the Articles of the Confederacy was black, 1781 to 1782. Okay, now that was that was a white senator from Maryland named John Hanson. This is before the Constitution uh, is even uh, uh, drafted. Okay, this is before the Constitution is even drafted. But there was a there's a uh, famous painting, and we'll pull this up here. There's a famous painting from um, that depicts June 28th, 1776. Okay, and this is also what is depicted on the back of the two dollar bill. All right, um, people mistakenly say, "Oh, you know," they confuse John Hanson, who was a senator of Liberia, they confuse that with the white John Hansen, who was a senator of Maryland. Okay. The, 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 the picture that you see of the, uh, black John Hansen, that is circa 1852. Okay. That's circa 1852. And the type of camera that took that picture is called a DeGore type named after John DeGore type. Okay. Well, that camera wasn't invented until the late 1820s and it didn't become available for commercial uses to the 1830s. Okay. The white John Hansen that's depicted in this picture. Now this is depicting June 28, 1776, the drafting of the declaration of independence by five man committee, Thomas Jefferson, Benjamin Franklin, John Adams, they're on that five man committee. And then people point circle, uh, a picture in here of the white John Hanson, the senator, the white senator from Maryland, and there's a shadow over, kind of shadow cast over his face. So when it gets translated from color to green and white, that's on the back of the two dollar bill. It's even darker, and they say, "Oh, that was uh, who the hell they said they, they, they say that was uh, the black John Hanson." Okay, some people say that was um, um, from the uh, uh, Prince Hall. Maybe some people say that's Prince Hall. No, that was the white John Hanson. 
We'll deal with all this on the other side of the break and talk about Frederick Douglass and what to the slave is the 4th of July. You listen to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM, the Superstation of Future Radio. Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. I'm the Superstation, the oldest radio station in town since 1922. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM, the Superstation, the Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotel. It is Monday. Uh, July 5th, 2021. It's the day after the 4th of July. <laughs> it's not this Shaka Musa Barashango called it. All right. So, um, right before the break, we were, I was giving you some background information dealing with the Declaration of Independence, the American Revolutionary War. Um, and we were talking, I started talking some about, uh, John Hansen as well. Now, there were two John Hansons. Um, I, I was showing you the, uh, painting. Uh, now you see why we're going to have to deal with this like every day this week. I got too much information <laughs> to deal with to try to put all this into one hour. Okay. I've got like probably seven articles right here to my right. Uh, but it's too much information to try to deal with in one hour. But uh, right before the break, I was showing you this famous painting. This is done by an artist named John Trumbull. It's a painting done by an artist named John Trumbull. Okay. And, uh, John Trumbull is also the artist who did the uh, who did the famous uh, painting of what's his name uh, 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 George Washington with, with uh, William Billy Lee William Billy Lee uh, it's an African American man with a turban on his head and people erroneously say uh, incorrectly say oh he wasn't a slave because he's wearing a turban no that was William Billy Lee was the only out of three hundred eighteen slaves that George Washington owned when he died William Billy Lee was the only one he freed upon his death. The rest are going to be some of them are going to be freed um, when Martha Washington dies. The ones that George Washington owns, they're going to be freed uh, when Martha Washington dies. And the ones that Martha Washington owns are going to be redistributed amongst her relatives. William Biddle Lee was the only one that, that, that Washington freed upon his death. But this is uh, a famous painting that is depicting the drafting of the Declaration of Independence by a five man committee. OK, and you can research this. They have this picture. Just search for drafting of the Declaration of Independence. The white John Hansen is uh, depicted in uh, this painting. OK, and he was a, a senator from a white senator from Maryland, and he's going to be president of the Continental Congress from uh, 1781 to 1782. And he dies in 1783. Okay, I wrote an extensive article about this back March 4th, 2016, because I write articles as well. I just haven't had a lot of time to write articles. Um, no, the black John Hansen was never president. And in this article is the video that I did providing overwhelming evidence showing that the black John Hansen was not president. These two guys live between two different periods of time. The black John Hansen, that that photograph of him, that photograph of him is circa 1852 is on the library of congress website okay then the the type of camera that is taken with is called a degore type the degore type was named the decor the gore type camera was named after john degore type the camera is invented in the late 1820 somewhere around 1826 but it's not available for commercial usage to the 1830s this depiction you see here of the white John Hansen, who was a senator of Maryland, this depiction is from the late 1760s. 
and he becomes uh, he serves as president of the Continental Congress from 17, uh, 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 1781 to 1782. He dies in 1783. He dies before the photographic camera is even invented. So these are the, so when you look at George Washington, when you look at Thomas Jefferson, when, all these guys, they basically are going to die before the photographic camera. For the most part, they're going to die before the photographic camera is even invented. That's why you just see paintings of them. You don't see photographs. Um, the black John Hansen, this is circa 1856, I should say, not 1852, circa 1856. This the Gore type photograph of him. And he's a senator to Liberia. Well, Liberia wasn't founded to 1821 by the by the uh, American Colonization Society. And the American Colonization Society was founded about 1817. See, when you study history, there's something called historical check marks. There's something called historical check marks. A lot of this BS floating around on social media is nonsense. And if you understand history, you realize it's nonsense because all you have to do is apply historical check marks to it. That's all you have to do is apply historical check marks to it. Okay. So when did this, when did you say this person lived? Okay. Now compare that to other things taking place at that time in history. We can compare historical check marks. And, and if, if, if the black John Hansen was president of the continental Congress, you think you wouldn't have heard of that. Then you think there wouldn't be overwhelming evidence of that. You think they wouldn't, they talk about that in slave narratives and things like that It's simple Simon as BS. That's what it is. But read this, read this article here. A lot of this stuff floating around on social media is nonsense created by people who had nothing better to do and don't understand history. So I go through, break all this stuff down. I got the picture right here of John Trumbull. This is an extensive article I wrote. I've got it right here. Okay. And this is, uh, uh, this painting was commissioned in 1817. Uh, John Trumbull was the artist who did it. Okay, so this so you see they have a sometimes you'll see when they put this propaganda out, they'll put a picture around this guy's face and say, oh, okay, uh, this is the color picture. Now, here's the thing. This is what is depicted on the back of the two dollar bill. This is what is this scene right here is what is depicted on the back of the two dollar bill. The back of the two dollar bill is not depicting the signing of the Declaration of Independence. It is depicting the drafting of the Declaration of Independence by a five man committee. Thomas Jefferson was on that five man committee. You're taking a color painting. And you are creating a version of it in green and white, basically green and white, eat different shades of green, different shades of white. So in the painting. That's in color done by John Trumbull in 1817. The white senator from Maryland, John Hansen, there's a shadow over kind of over his face. But you can still see he's white. When that gets translated into uh, green and white. It gets even darker. So you have people saying, oh, that was that was uh, uh, the black John Hansen. Some people say, oh, that was Prince. Oh, no, it was, it was a white man. Most people who say that have never seen the original painting. That's why I show you the original painting in my article. And that's why I show it to you in the, in the lecture that I did. That's why I show you the original painting. Most people have never seen that. All you got to do is apply historical check marks to this simple Simon as BS floating around on social media. You can destroy a lot of this nonsense. 
So read this article. I've been doing this for a minute. No, the black giant hands is never president. <laughs> I provide you with the evidence. Why? Okay. So, uh, all this ties into 1776. all this history is connected. So let's go back to, uh, the declaration of independence. Okay. Let's go back to that here. Just a second here. All right. Uh, I was referencing, referencing an article from history.com. The, uh, Article I just showed you that I wrote uh, dealing with John Hansen. We'll post the link of that here, right here on the thread of the broadcast. And all of the articles I've written on the homepage of my website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, uh, you can click on those articles. You can read them. Okay. They're all there. So if we uh, go back here and just a little background information on the Declaration of Independence. And if you have a question or comment, you can give us a call 313-778-7600. 313-778-7600 is the call in number. So on July 2nd, 1776, the Continental Congress voted in favor of independence from Great Britain, from King George III, the monarch. And two days later, delegates from the 13 colonies adopted the Declaration of Independence a historic document drafted by Thomas Jefferson largely. Thomas, there's a five-man committee that drafts it, but it's drafted largely by Thomas Jefferson, who was a slave owner at the, you know, we, we know this. Now, from 1776 to the present, to the present day, July 4th has been celebrated as the birth of American independence with festivities ranging from fireworks, parades, and concerts to more casual family gatherings and barbecues. The 4th of July, 2021, falls on Sunday, July 4th. The federal holiday is being observed on Monday, July 5th. Okay, read uh, this extensive article. We'll refer to this article throughout the week because we're going to deal with uh, the different aspects of this history. So we're going to deal with this all week. Okay, we're going to do a series. Fourth uh, of July, Independence Day from History.com. History.com is the official website of the History Channel. So they have some really, really good content there. All right. Um, now, a little background history of Independence Day and, and the Declaration of Independence, 1776. When the initial battles in the Revolutionary War broke out in April of 1775, few colonists desired complete independence from Great Britain. And those who did were considered radical. They were considered radical by the middle of the following year, 1776. However, many colonists had come to favor independence thanks to growing hostility against Britain and the spread of revolutionary sentiments such as those expressed in the best-selling pamphlet Common Sense published by Thomas Paine in early 1776. Now on June 7th, uh, when in 1776, when the Continental Congress met at the at the Pennsylvania State House, later called Independence Hall in Philadelphia, the Virginia delegate Richard Henry Lee, Richard Henry Lee, introduced a motion calling for the colonies independence, the 13 colonies calling for their independence. At this time, you know, slavery exists in basically all the 13 colonies. OK, we're going to talk about that in, in just a minute when we do a why is 
Independence Day celebrated on July 4th and not July 2nd because there was a debate over slavery. But all the colonies had adopted slavery. By then, all, all the colonies had codified slave laws going back to the first codified slave laws in 1641 in Massachusetts. Then they come to Virginia in 1660. Um, in before the Mayflower by Lerone Bennett Jr. Lerone Bennett Jr. lays this out in before the Mayflower. This is a beat up copy. I need a new copy of it. In the back of the book where he deals with um, milestones in history. Go back to about 1660, 1660, 1641. Okay, we'll talk about that in just a minute because a lot of people are confused and think that they didn't have slavery or slavery wasn't sanctioned until 1776. No, all the 13 colonies had slavery. Okay, all the 13 colonies had slavery. And it's a, it's a debate at the um, Continental Congress in 1776. So you have uh, one of the delegates, Richard, Richard uh, Henry Lee. He's going to uh, he's a Virginia delegate. He's going to introduce a motion calling for the colony's independence. Now, amid heated debate, Congress postponed the vote on Richard Henry Lee's um, resolution, but appointed a five man committee, appointed a five man committee, including Thomas Jefferson of Virginia, John Adams of Massachusetts, and John Adams becomes the second president. Thomas Jefferson is going to become the third president. John Quincy Adams is going to become the sixth president, who was the son of John Adams. And John Quincy Adams is going to be the same John Quincy Adams that is a defense attorney for the Africans on the Amistad slave ship in the U.S. Supreme Court case of the Amistad in 1841. John Adams of Massachusetts, Roger Sherman of Connecticut, Benjamin Franklin of Pennsylvania, and Robert R. Livingston of New York. These, they, they were part of the five-man committee that I just showed you in that painting done by John Trumbull. And they were commissioned to draft a formal statement justifying the break with Great Britain. Now, on July 2nd, the Continental Congress voted in favor of Richard Henry Lee's resolution for independence in a near-unanimous vote. The New York delegation abstained from voting, but later voted affirmatively. On that day, John Adams wrote to his wife, Abigail, and John Adams also second president of the United States. Right. John Adams also. This this would be under the U.S. Constitution. OK, second president under the U.S. Constitution after George Washington. John Adams was also the first president to live in the White House in Washington, D.C., because when um George Washington was president. The White House in Washington, D.C. had not been built yet. It was under construction. It had not been built yet. John Adams wrote to his wife, Abigail, in that uh, that July 2nd, 1776. And he said, quote, will be celebrated. He, he was saying that July 2nd will be celebrated by succeeding generations as the great anniversary festival, end quote, and that the celebration should include, quote, pomp and parade games, sports, guns, bells, bonfires, and illuminations from one end of this continent to the other. This is where a lot of this comes from. Okay. He said, he said there should be that. He said that the celebration should include quote, pomp and parade games, sports, guns, bells, bonfires, and illuminations from one end of this continent to the other end quote. Now on July 4th, 1776, 
the Continental Congress formally adopted the Declaration of Independence, which had been written largely by Thomas Jefferson, even though it was a five man committee that drafted it. It was written largely by Thomas Jefferson, though the vote for actual independence, though the vote for actual independence took place on July 2nd. From then on. The 4th of July became the day that was celebrated as the birth of American independence. Although the vote act, the, the, the vote for actual independence took place on July 2nd. Now in a minute, we're going to deal with what held things up. Why didn't they adopt it to July 4th? Okay. So read the rest of this article here from history.com. 4th of July independence this is originally written December 16, 2009, updated July first 2021 4th of july independence from history.com all right now um let's fast forward to july 5th 1852 july 5th 1852 you have a famous speech uh delivered by frederick Douglass. okay uh the meaning of july 4th for the Negro, the meaning of July 4th for the Negro. And in that speech, he asked, what to the slave is the 4th of July? What to the slave is the 4th of July? Okay, so he's delivering this speech. And this is um, for a uh, celebration of the 4th of July. Okay, it takes place on July 5th, 1852 in Rochester, New York. He gives one of his most famous speeches, the meaning of July 4th for the Negro. He was addressing the Rochester Ladies Anti-Slavery Society, the Rochester Ladies Anti-Slavery Society. So I want to read uh, an excerpt of the speech that Frederick Douglass delivered July 5th, 1852. Um, he was speaking to he was speaking in Rochester, New York. And he was speaking to the Rochester Ladies Anti-Slavery Society, the Rochester Ladies Anti-Slavery Society. He delivers this speech, the meaning of July 4th for the Negro, the meaning of July 4th for the Negro. There's an excerpt uh, of James Earl Jones uh, reading this uh, speech. Uh, Democracy Now! has it on, on their website and is part of uh, Voices of a People's History of the United States. And uh, sometimes I play that on my show, but YouTube is going to block it because of copyright infringement. So I'm going to share it with you here. Uh, PBS.org has this full article. PBS.org has this full speech also at their website, PBS.org. And there's a link in the article, uh, A Nation's Story, What to the Slave is the Fourth of July from uh smithsonian institute at the bottom of that article that i showed you there's a link in that article to the full speech at uh, pbs.org so frederick douglas said fellow citizens pardon me allow me to ask why am i called upon to speak here today where have i or those i represent to do with your national independence are the great principles of political freedom and or natural justice embodied in that declaration of independence 
extended to us? And am I therefore called upon to bring our humble offering to the national altar and to confess the benefits and express devout gratitude for the blessings resulting from your independence to us? But such is not the state of the case. But such is not the state of the case. I say it with a sense of the disparity between us. I am not included within the pale of glorious anniversary. Your high independence only reveals the immeasurable distance between us. The blessings in which you this day rejoice are not enjoyed and are not enjoyed in common. The rich inheritance of justice, liberty, prosperity, and independence bequeathed by your fathers is shared by you, not by me. The sunlight that brought light and healing to you has brought stripes and death to me. This 4th July is yours, not mine. You may rejoice, I must mourn. To drag a man in fetters into the grand illuminated temple of liberty and call upon him to join you in joyous anthems were inhumane, were inhuman mockery and sacrilegious irony. Do you mean, citizens, to mock me by asking me to speak today? If so, there is a parallel to your conduct. And let me warn you that it is dangerous to copy the example of a nation whose crimes towering up to the heaven, towering up to heaven, were thrown down by the breath of the almighty, burying that nation in irrevocable ruin. I can today take up the take up the plaintive lament of a peeled and woe smitten people. Fellow citizens, above your national tumultuous joy, I hear the mournful wail of millions whose chains heavy and grievous heavy and grievous yesterday are today rendered more intolerable by the jubilee shouts that reach them. If I do forget, if I do not faithfully remember those bleeding children of sorrow this day, may my right hand forget her cunning and may my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth. To forget them, to pass lightly over the over their wrongs and to chime in with the popular theme would be treason. Most scandalous and shocking and would make me a reproach before God and the world. My subject then fellow citizens is American slavery. I shall see this day and its popular characteristics from the slaves point of view.
I repeat, he said, I shall see this day and its popular characteristics from the slave's point of view. Standing there, identified with the American bondsman, making his wrongs mine, I do not hesitate to declare with all my soul that the character and conduct of this nation never looked blacker to me than on this 4th of July. Whether we turn to the declarations of the past or to the professions of the present, the conduct of the nation seems equally hideous and revolting. America is false to the past. He said America is false to the past, false to the present, and solemnly binds herself to be false to the future. Standing with God and the crushed and bleeding slave on this occasion. Standing with God and the crushed and bleeding slave on this occasion. I will in the name of humanity, which is outraged in the name of liberty, which is fettered in the name of the Constitution and the Bible, which are disregarded and trampled upon dare to call in question and to denounce with all the emphasis I can command everything that serves to perpetuate slavery, the great sin and shame of America. I will not equivocate. I will not excuse. I will use the severest language I can command. And yet one word shall escape me that any man whose judgment is not blinded by prejudice or who is not at heart a slave holder shall not confess to be right and just. But I fancy I hear some, but I fancy I hear someone of my audience say, it is just in this circumstance that you and your brother abolitionists failed to make a favorable impression on the public mind. Would you argue more and, and, and denounce less? Would you persuade more and rebuke less? Your cause would be much more likely to succeed. This is what he says. He can hear someone in the audience thinking or asking. Douglas goes on to say, but I submit where all is plain, there is nothing to be argued. What point in the anti-slavery creed would you have me argue? On what branch of the subject do the people of this country need light? Must I must I undertake to provoke that the slave is a man? That point is conceded already. Nobody doubts it. The slaveholders themselves acknowledge it in the enactment in the enactment of laws for their government. They acknowledge it when they punish disobedience on the part of the slave. There are 72 crimes in the state of Virginia. There are 72 crimes in the state of in the state of Virginia, which if committed by a black man, no matter how ignorant he be, subject him 
to the punishment of death, while only two of the same crimes will subject a white man to the like punishment. What is this but the acknowledgement that the slave is a moral, intellectual, and responsible being? The manhood of the slave is conceded. It is admitted in the fact that Southern, stat that Southern statute books are covered with enactments forbidding under severe fines and penalties, the teaching of the slave to read or write. When you can point to any such laws in reference to the beasts of the field, then I may consent to argue the manhood of the slave. When the dogs in your streets, when the fowls of the air, when the cattle on your heels, when the fish of the sea and the reptiles that crawl shall be unable to distinguish the slave from a brute, then will I argue with you that the slave is a man. Now keep in mind, this is 1852. In 1852 also, um, is going to be the same year that the uh, Harriet Beecher Stowe writes, writes her book, Uncle Tom's Cabin. And that's really going to expose America to the um, atrocities of slavery also. Okay. That's going to be in 1852 as well. He goes on, Douglas goes on to say, for the present, it is enough to affirm the equal manhood of the Negro race. It is not astonishing that while we are plowing, planting, now this also ties into the 262 skills, trades and crafts that African-Americans had in this country from 1619 to 1865, at least 262 skills, trades and crafts, okay? Here's what he said. He said, for the present, it is enough to affirm the equal manhood of the Negro race. It is not, aston it is not astonishing that while we are plowing, planting and reaping, using all kinds of mechanical tools, erecting houses, constructing bridges, building ships, working in metals of brass, iron, copper, silver, and gold, that while we are reading, writing, and ciphering, acting as clerks, merchants, and secretaries, having among us lawyers, doctors, ministers, poets, authors, editors, orators, and teachers, that while we are engaged in all manner of enterprises common to other men, digging gold in California, capturing the whale in the Pacific, feeding sheep and cattle on the hillside, living, moving, acting, thinking, planning, living in families as husbands, wives, and children, and above all, confessing and worshiping the Christian's God, and looking hope, hopefully for life and immortality, immortality beyond the grave, 
we are called upon to prove that we are men. Now, um, another excerpt from the speech. And let me go down to this last paragraph. Douglas goes on to say, at a time like this, scorching irony, not convincing argument is needed. Oh, had I the ability and could reach the nation's ear, I would today pour out a fiery stream of biting ridicule, blasting reproach, withering sarcasm and stern rebuke. For it is not light that is needed, but fire. It is not the gentle shower, but the thunder. We need the storm, the whirlwind and the earthquake. The feeling of the nation must be quickened. The conscience of the nation must be roused. The propriety of the nation must be startled. The hypocrisy of the nation must be exposed and its crimes against God and man must be proclaimed and denounced. What to the American slave is your 4th of July? I answer a day that reveals to him more than all other days in the year, the gross injustice and cruelty to which he is the constant victim. To him, your celebration is a sham, your boasted liberty, an unholy license, your national greatness, swelling vanity, your sounds of rejoicing are empty and heartless, your denunciation of tyrants, brass-fronted impudence, your shouts of liberty and equality, hollow mockery, your prayers and hymns, your sermons and thanksgivings with all your religious parade and solemnity are to him mere bombast, fraud, deception, impiety and hypocrisy. A thin veil to cover up crimes which would disgrace a nation of savages. There is not a nation on the earth guilty of practices more shocking and bloody than are the people of the United States at this very hour. So that is an excerpt. Those are excerpts of one of Douglas's most famous speeches. Uh, what to the Negro is the 4th of July. Okay. And you can read the, uh, Full speech at PBS.org, the meaning of the 4th of July for the Negro, I should say, the meaning of the 4th of July uh, for the Negro. And at PBS.org, they have the full speech. Now, uh, very quickly here, we'll talk about this some more uh, on tomorrow's show. Uh, there's a piece from uh, SmithsonianMag.com, uh, well, the, the, um, from the Smithsonian Institute. Uh, check this out here. Uh, let me pull up this article. A nation, a nation's story. What to the slave is uh, the 4th of July? A nation's story. What to the slave is the 4th of July? 
They have a link at the bottom of the article, the PBS.org public broadcasting system. And uh, at PBS.org, they have the full speech uh, where you can read that as well. We'll talk some more about this uh, on tomorrow's show. OK, but uh, because this is the full speech right here, but it, it, the link is at the uh, bottom of this article. But very quickly, if um, we look at this now, this year, the 4th of July comes after the first federal um, holiday of Juneteenth. And see, this year is different. Not only are we coming out of the coronavirus pandemic and people are able to be out, you know, because we weren't really able to be out in 2020. But now this is after this, you have well, the insurrection January 6th, one, okay, Two, you have the uh, 100th commemoration of the Tulsa race massacre, the 100th, 100th commemoration of the Tulsa race massacre. And President Joe Biden did a proclamation declaring June 1st as a national day of remembrance, a national day of remembrance. So this is forcing America to deal with a history that America historically really has not wanted to deal with. OK, the Tulsa race massacre. Secondly, you have the um, uh, Juneteenth holiday being made, Juneteenth being made a federal holiday. Uh, and that passed uh, uh, that passed Congress and was signed into law by President Joe Biden. And now this is because it's a federal holiday. Juneteenth is forcing America to have to deal with a history that Republicans are passing laws in state legislatures to suppress the teaching of that history in school largely in how it's taught attacking critical race theory, even though critical race theory is not taught in K through 12 attacking the 1619 project, uh, restricting what you can teach about systemic racism in school, et cetera. Okay. Cause they really don't want to deal. They don't want to deal with the history. So when we deal with the 4th of July it's then also dealing with this history of slavery at the same time, when you're talking about life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness, whose life, liberty and pursuit of happiness, because your way of life is is dependent upon enslaving African people and keeping them enslaved to create your wealth. So uh, just a few quick things here. Then I want to get to the second topic um, in this article here. It says this year's Independence Day celebration comes on the heels of the nation, taking significant steps and reckoning with this past by acknowledging Juneteenth as a federal holiday. Let me blow this up some acknowledge. In Juneteenth as a holiday, uh, Juneteenth provides an opportunity for celebration and commemoration of the moment that freedom came for some of the millions of enslaved uh, black people in the nation. It took the 13th Amendment to actually amend the U.S. Constitution. Uh, it was adopted December 6. Uh, it was ratified December 6, 1865, when Georgia ratified the 13th Amendment. It took the 13th Amendment of 1865 to ultimately provide freedom for all enslaved African-Americans and bring the nation out of the bondage of slavery, both Juneteenth and Independence Day champion landmark victories and a prideful history and culture. Now, June, Independence Day prideful to some people, not a lot of African-Americans don't uh, celebrate it. Now, as I said yesterday and posted on Facebook and on Twitter, we should study that history of 1776, July 2nd, and July 4th. We need to study the history. You may not celebrate it, but we need to study that history because that impacts what's going on right now today. Um, it goes on, this article goes on to say, to be clear, black men contributed to the nation's independence 
resistance as they fought for their own freedom while serving while serving in the Revolutionary War. As black patriot uh, Borough Branch said, he was a blind African slave. Borough Branch said, quote, thus was I a slave for five years fighting for liberty, end quote. The Fourth of July is an occasion for African-Americans, indeed all Americans, to mark the nation's independence, um, mark the nation's independence and its paradox and its paradox. Now, this is Smithsonian saying this. OK, you can do what you want to do, but read uh uh, what Dr. Shaka Musabara Shango said also, but you can do what you want to do. I mean, it's, it's, I know, you know, we have veterans and there were, is something that's important to understand is more, Af more African people fought on behalf of the British than, than the colonies, because the British were the first ones to say, they told the enslaved Africans on the colony side, if you come fight for us, when the war is over, we'll set you free. So low estimates. So the estimates, of Africans fighting uh, on behalf of the 13 colonies is about 5,000 on behalf of the American revolution, uh, on behalf of the British low estimates are 20,000. Okay. And, and Dr. Henry Lewis Gates Jr. Has an article dealing with this and he has estimates of somewhere between 20,000 to up to 70, 80, whatever, but low estimates are 20,000 people of African descent fought on behalf of the British. Now, it is also time to remember the contributions of African-Americans in building the nation that is celebrated at this time each year. Now, this is something this is a piece that gets left out of it. They don't want to talk about the role that African-Americans played in building this country. And you have this paradox when Thomas Jefferson is talking about life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. But he owns hundreds of slaves at the same time. He's going to own approximately 600 in his lifetime. At the time of the Declaration of Independence, I think he owned somewhere around 200. So it's, it's a hypocrisy. This is what this is what uh, Frederick Douglass is calling out. It's a hypocrisy. OK. And he said and he's telling these white women, he said, you invite me to come here and speak to you. This is during slavery. This is 1852. He said, you invite me to come here to speak to you. Uh, celebrating Independence Day for who? And now it's also important to note that. That's 1852, right? That's two years after the uh, Missouri Compromise of uh, of um, that's two years after the Compromise of 1850. The Compromise of 1850. There were five bills in the Compromise of 1850. One of them was the Fugitive the Slave Act of 1850, which intensified the abolitionist movement and caused more runaway slaves to go into Canada. Because and this is two years after the uh, uh, war, uh, the uh, Mexican-American War ends in 1848. OK. And we know that uh, the U.S., because of the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo, uh, February 1848, the U.S. is going to get ca uh, California, Arizona, New Mexico, Colorado, Utah, Nevada. They get that for 15 million dollars from Mexico. Mexico loses a third of their territory. All that becomes part of the, U the you know, they would become territories of the U.S., because of the uh, Fugitive Slave Act of 1850, now they can be uh, runaway slaves who go up north can be captured and taken back into slavery by deputized white men. So more of them go into Canada. All right. We're out of time here on 9, 10 a.m. Superstation WFDF. You see why we got to do this all week. Uh, those watching on Facebook and YouTube, keep watching. We're going to keep broadcasting. Uh, right now, it's correct. Wrong behavior is not over till we win. We're kind of forever. We'll talk to you tomorrow night. Peace. Stand by. Stand by, everybody.
Stand by. Okay, we're out of time here on nine ten. We're going to keep going here on social media. Monday through Friday, uh, I do li- I do live radio. I'm on radio here in Detroit. Uh, nine ten a.m. Superstation WFDF. So we're on Monday through Friday, eleven p.m. to twelve midnight Eastern Standard Times. Okay, we're going to keep going for a few more minutes. I want to hit this other topic, then we have to get out of here. If you like this type of information, you want to support the African History Network because we're here six days a week, and this is a lot of work. Um, Dollar sign the AHN show through Cash App. Dollar sign the AHN show through Cash App. Also through PayPal, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show. Okay, this helps us keep doing the research, stay on the air, keep broadcasting, finance the show, pay some of the bills, etc. All right, because this is a lot of work. Um, you can still, and I'm going to pull this up here. Uh, this is uh, our official cash app account, uh, dollar sign, the AHN show, uh, through cash app. And it, it'll say Michael and it'll show my picture there. Okay. These other ones are, are, are fake, uh, African history network cash app accounts that somebody set up. I've already reported them to, um, cash app. Uh, you can still register if you like this type of information. If you like this type of information I've been sharing with you here on this show, the 10 week online course that I teach dealing with thousands of years of our history will blow you away. This is just a, this is just um, the tip of the iceberg here. Okay. You can register for the 10 week online course that I teach called ancient Kemet, which is one of the original names for Egypt, ancient Kemet, the Moors and the Ma'afa, Understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. We deal with tens of thousands of years of history. We deal with what led up to the transatlantic slave trade taking place. I do a PowerPoint presentation. We have guest speakers, video clips, articles, book references. I'm going to post a link here, but you can visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Scroll down the page. It has information for my radio show. We're on six days a week. You can also download the iHeartRadio app. You can listen to 9, 10 a.m. Superstation live through the iHeartRadio app and also search for the African History Network show on iHeart because they have about 300 of my podcasts on my shows there also. You can click here, listen to podcasts. That takes you to my blog talk radio page where I upload my podcast. And we're on uh, the audio podcast. We're on nine different podcast platforms, Stitcher, CastBox, FM Player, TuneIn, Blog Talk Radio, wherever you get your audio podcast from, search for the African History Network show. OK, this is me in the studio and been in the studio over a year because they have us broadcasting from home because of COVID. Uh, you click right here, this link. You can read articles that I've written. I've written a ton of articles over the past few years. Scroll down information for it. Uh, the 10 week online course class. Number one started Sunday, July 4th, 2021. This class is going to be 10 consecutive Sundays, 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Ancient Kemet, the Moors and the Ma'afa. Understanding the transatlantic slave trade, where they didn't teach you in school. The Ma'afa is a key Swahili term, meaning the great disaster. It refers to our Holocaust, the transatlantic slave trade. We do the class live. All the sessions are recorded. All the sessions are recorded and archived. You can go back and watch them over and over again, even after the class is over with. Next year, you can go back and still watch the same course. It's all archived. Okay. We have a flyer here about the class as well. Click here for register here. Takes you to the next page, our online school, uh, and click on enroll. Uh, class is on sale, $80, regularly $130. As soon as you register, you can start watching the content. As soon as you register, you can start watching the content. And you will also get the class that I'm wrapping up 
uh, on Sun on Saturday, dealing with the same course matter, dealing with the same subject subject matter. And we have uh, classes one through nine archived of the Saturday class. And in that Saturday class, Dr. David M. Hotep spoke to my class on June 12th, 2021, who wrote the book, The First Americans Were Africans, um, uh, Documented Evidence. And then also Nubia Wartford, who's an African-American female archaeologist. She spoke to our class as well. And she, we, she talked about the origins of ancient Kush and the African queens of antiquity. You'll be able to watch that as well. Okay. And you'll be ready for uh, class number two that is going to be on Sunday, July 11th. All right. So you can register for that. Ancient Kemet, the Moors and the Ma'afa. Understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. Okay. Let's continue here. Now, um, I'm going to go back to this one here. So this is from, no, that's not the one I want. I want the one from uh, Smithsonian Mag. Let's go back to that one. Then we'll go to the one from National Geographic. And then I have to get out of here. We're going to deal with this topic all week long. We'll talk some more about Bill Cosby. We'll talk about Joe Brown and the interview Joe Brown did with Mark Lamont Hill. Made Mark Lamont Hill look like a fool. Uh, we'll talk about Felicia Rashad. We'll deal with that throughout the week. But this is what we're going to focus on really this week. And we'll continue also our discussion somewhat dealing with how U.S. highways were used to destroy African-American communities, because that ties into the infrastructure bill as well. OK, so um, if we go back to this article here from uh, Smithsonian uh, Institute, Smithsonian Institute, a nation's story. What to the slave is the 4th of July? Uh, it, it goes on to say that it, it, they're talking about Boro Branch, um, who uh, uh, served in the American Revolutionary War. He was a, 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 a African-American slave. It says it is also a time to remember the contributions of African-Americans in building the nation that that is celebrated at this time each year. The combined holidays of Juneteenth and July 4th that fall so close to one another on the calendar provides a moment for all of us to consider the meaning and manifestation of a more inclusive freedom, even as the fight for uh, justice continues, even as the fight for justice continues. OK, and let me see here. I want to see if I could pull up the. Um, I want to see if I could pull up the post that I did on uh, Facebook yesterday. We'll try to pull that up here. Okay, we'll try to pull that up. Well, I talked about, um, I showed uh, the cover of uh, Dr. Shaka Musa Barashango's book, uh, African People and European Holidays and Mental Genocide. Okay, let's continue here. So I, I want to go to this next one. Now, this deals with a, a very important piece of history. We talked about it briefly uh, a few minutes ago. This is from National Geographic. Uh, America declared independence on July 2nd. So why is the 4th a holiday? OK, they voted on they voted on it on July 2nd, but they didn't adopt it to July 4th. The Declaration of Independence and the debate was over slavery. The debate was over slavery. OK. So if we look at this here, the colonies. Had already voted for freedom from from British rule. 
the colonies had already voted for freedom from British rule, but debates over slavery held up the formal adoption of the Declaration of Independence. So we have to ask the question, well, what, what was that about? This is from July 2nd, 2021 by Aaron Blakemore. She also writes articles for uh, history.com as well. And let me, uh, I want to scroll down here and I'm going to try to pull up this post that I did on uh, the 4th of July as well. Let me see something here. Where is that? While I, let's see, let's do this. Let me see if we have, um, Let me see if we have this clip here. I'm going to share with you some of the, I'm going to share with you an excerpt of the presentation I did dealing with John Hansen and why the black John Hansen is not president while I look for this clip here. Very interesting. How many people know this is? Okay. All right. So what have you heard about John Hansen? Say again, brother. Okay. You saying that's what you heard, or you saying he was? Okay. Say again. The sweat line. The sweat Okay. All right. Now, what I say may be outside of some comfort zone. Two dollar bill. That's what they say. Two dollar bill. When, when, when year did he die? Uh, uh, long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> I know that. <laughs> on, the, on the back of the $2 bill, what is that depicted? The what? No, on the back of the $2 bill. They're, they're white men on the back of the $2 bill. They aren't black because he's president. Well, what is that depicted on the back of the $2 bill? That's when they were signing the uh, Declaration of Independence. Okay. You can disagree with me, that's fine. You know, but I'm going to show you this stuff. You, you still want to disagree with me, that's cool. I, like I said in the beginning, you don't have to take my word for this. Go do your own research. Okay. Now. All right. So when we look at the $2 bill, if you look on the reverse side, this is what is depicted right now. Uh, unfortunately, there's some misinformation about the $2 bill. Um, if you look at the what's circled in red, the way this myth goes is that this person is uh, John Hansen the Moor, the black John Hansen. Okay, uh, this scene is from June 28, 1776. It's not the signing of the Declaration of Independence, it is the drafting of the Declaration of Independence by the five man committee. Okay. The adoption of the Declaration of Independence doesn't occur until the, to the 4th of July, 1776, but it's not completely signed until uh, about August of uh, 1776. August 2nd of 1776, uh, you have about 52 signers who have signed it, but there's still six who have not signed it. But it was adopted the 4th of July, 1776, okay? Now... 
I've heard some Prince Hall Masons say that that's Prince Hall there as well. Okay, now here's here's the problem with this theory. This depiction is from a painting done by an artist named John Trumbull, Trumbull, which was commissioned in 1817. Okay, next what you see here is the actual painting from John Trumbull. All right. You can go to answers.com and search for a, a $2 bill as well as Declaration of Independence. When you search for Declaration of Independence, look at the entry from uh, the Columbia Encyclopedia, which does an excellent job on it. And they talk about the actual um, signing of it August 2nd, 1776, as opposed to July 4th. Uh, which most people think is the 4th of July. However, even though John Hancock signed it July 4th, most of the others did not. Okay. Now, when you look at the painting, you'll see that nobody on the paintings of African descent. You'll see that the person who we had circled on the $2 bill, in fact, just has a shadow over his face. He's clearly European. He just has a shadow over his face. What has happened is that when that painting gets depicted on the $2 bill and you're dealing with shades of uh, white and green or what have you, okay, it darkens his face and it gives fodder to the myth that this was a person of African descent. All right. As we get more into this dealing with John Hansen and dispelling this myth about John Hansen, you'll understand this as well. But on the back of the two dollar bill, there was no one of African descent uh, on the back of the two dollar bill. All right. And this is easily verifiable. Proper documentation ends all conversation. All right. So now, have you all heard also that he was a senator in Liberia? Yeah, I heard that. You heard that? Okay. Can anybody tell me what year he was born in? 1731? John Hanson. Can anybody tell me? Okay. Now, what year was Liberia founded? Probably 1821 by the American Colonization Society. And now we're starting to cook. All right, now, I don't use Wikipedia a lot as a source, unless I can verify what's going on. Because I do, why is this frozen? I do uh, a lot of research and back up what I say. All right, now, how many people have looked at this picture? How many people have really looked at it? Okay. You notice this is a picture, not a painting, right? Okay. When were cameras invented? Hmm? Type of picture this is, is called a Gore-type. The first camera. The Gore-type cameras were created in 1826. Okay. Now, if we look at if we look at what's here, and there's a link on loc.gov I want to show you. All right. Uh, it says here for John Hansen. This is from Wikipedia, but we can verify this stuff. It says um, he was an African. He was an African American associated with the American Colonization Society which sought to relocate blacks in Liberia. Uh, in Liberia, he served as a senator from Grand Bassa County. Senator, huh? Senator Hansen has recently been confused with an earlier John Hansen, a white politician from Maryland, 
who served as president of the Continental Congress during the American Revolution. According to this urban myth, John Hanson of Maryland was actually uh, black and also the president of the United States. Inter internet sites promoting the hoax used the photograph of the John Hanson of Liberia to support the claim, even though photography had not yet been invented when the early John Hanson was living. Okay, now, if you go look up the Gore-type, you go look up the Gore-type camera, that was, that was invented in uh, 1826, okay? D-A-G-U-E-R-R-O-T-Y-P. Don't take my word for this, go look that up. And it gives you the history of cameras. And that was, now, also, the, the picture that they show you from research that I've done, that's from around 1856. We don't know if the technology in 1826, when the Gore type was created, could produce that quality picture. See, that could be second generation technology, third generation technology. Mm -hmm. Let me give you an example. How many people knew that you had some people that worked in government or high level sales, they had cell phones in their car in the 60s, 70s, and 80s? Yeah. People know them, right? Okay, so, uh, and my dad used to work for Motorola in the 70s, so he had one in his car. James Bond had one in 19. James Bond had one. Yeah, if you look at if you look if you look at the Bill Cosby Sidney Poitier movie, uh, Uptown Saturday Night, yeah. uh, Biggie Smalls has one in his car. Right. That's not make believe. That that technology actually existed. Everybody just didn't have one. The bills were probably thousand dollars a month, two thousand dollars a month. And yeah. President Kennedy had touchstone phones. Okay, yeah. When he was president. Yeah, because so I'm... He was 63, so... Yeah. They had it. They had, the technology they had was quite a way back. Exactly. Right. And the tones on the movie, um, the submarine movie, um, yeah. Boys Bottom of the Sea, Okay. the tones on there, that, they, that movie was made in 1963, and the tones on that movie would give you a government office that you would took your old phone and put it up to the TV. And it put the tones into the phone. Okay. It would give you the uh, United States government uh, classified area. Okay. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. So here's the thing. It's like somebody saying, "Well, people had phones in their car in the '70s and '80s, so they were sending text messages then." When all text messages, first text messages were sent in 1992. So they, 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 they didn't have that technology, especially out on the market, that's coming from digital technology. They ain't had that technology. So just because somebody had a cell phone in their car in 1960 does not mean they were sending text messages, okay? That's, that's, those gener that's generations later of technology, okay? All right, <laughs> we're gonna pause it right there. <laughs> that was a hell of a presentation. <laughs> I had some people walk out <laughs> after I got finished talking about John Hansen because they couldn't refute what I was saying. <laughs> they still can't refute it. As some people walk out mad at me. So the brother that you heard talking about John F. Kennedy and the cell phones, that was Ahati Kalindi E. He, he, he passed away um, uh, last year. Uh, he's an ancestor now. That was that was a friend of mine, and and we, man, we did lectures together. Um, I interviewed him a number of times. He was a a master of the African martial arts. That is a brilliant brother, Ahati Kalindi E. So he was at my lecture there. Okay, <laughs> but read that article. Uh, read that article that I wrote, and uh, that video is in there. And that video is on YouTube. It's on my YouTube channel. It's been viewed over three hundred thousand times. Last time I checked. And last time I looked at it, I think that was like last year. Uh, it was 2020 sometime. It's been viewed over 300,000 times. Uh, once again, name of that article is, No, the black John Hanson was never president. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all, the, 
all this stuff is easily verifiable. Okay. <laughs> It'd be different if the internet didn't exist, but <laughs> I'm like, come on. <laughs> so, um, okay, let's continue here. I, I want to go back to, um, I want to, I'm going to go to the second topic here and then we're going to wrap it up. Um, this deals with America declared independence on July 2nd. So why is uh, July 4th when some people celebrate Independence Day? Okay. America declared independence on July 2nd. Why is July 4th a holiday? If we look here at this piece, and um, I'm going to post the link here to the uh, article from Smithsonian Institute here. Maybe we just talked about dealing with Frederick Douglass. If we look here at this uh, article from uh, National Geographic, uh, America, America declared declare independence on July 2nd, so why is the 4th a holiday? Um, in the article, they talk about, uh, let me see. Just a second here. I already signed up. Sign in again. Okay. So in this article, um, they go through and deal with this history. And they show the, uh, they talk about the five-man committee drafting the Declaration of Independence. Um, they give some background information. In 1774, after years of unfair taxation, after years of unfair uh, taxation and imperial control, complaints against uh, the British crown had reached a fever pitch in the 13 American colonies. War had begun to look inevitable. And so in September, delegates from the colonies met to discuss their grievances in what they called the Continental Congress. The process of declaring independence did not get underway until um, un until uh, June seventh. Until June seventh, seventeen seventy six, when Virginia delegate Richard Henry Lee introduced a resolution, the second uh, in the Second Continental Congress, just eighty words long what became known, known as the Lee Resolution, okay? The Lee Resolution proposed the dissolution of any political connection between Great Britain and the colonies. Although most delegates supported independence, the proposal was not guaranteed to pass unanimously, so members held off on voting, okay? The proposal was not guaranteed to pass unanimously, so... Uh, members held off on voting. Now, as delegates lobbied their home states, home states to support the resolution, five men got to work on an accompanying document that laid out the reasons colonists wanted to sever ties with uh, Great Britain. 
the committee of five, the five man committee that we talked about a few minutes ago, the committee of five, as it became known, uh, was a political dream team. Uh, John Adams, who became the uh, second president, second U.S. president, Thomas Jefferson, who became the third president, Benjamin Franklin, Roger Sherman and Roger Livingston. They nominated Thomas Jefferson of Virginia to pin the first draft of what is now known as the, De the Declaration of Independence. OK. Um, and you can also go to LOC.gov, Library of Congress website and archives.gov and read the Declaration of Independence as well. Now, in a little more in a little more than three, uh, two weeks, Thomas Jefferson churned out a draft of. Uh, turned out a draft that drew on a variety of, of other documents, including some of the up to 100 similar declarations that had been circulating in the buildup to the uh, Henry Lee resolution, Richard Henry Lee resolution. Uh, one, the Fairfax County resolves co-written by George Washington and George Mason claimed that the colonists constitutional, the colonists constitutional rights have been violated by the British parliament. Another uh, George Mason, 1776 Virginia declaration of rights affirmed that men had the right to quote the enjoyment of life, liberty, life and liberty, the enjoyment of life and liberty with the means of acquiring and possessing property and pursuing and obtaining happiness and safety, end quote. Now, Thomas Jefferson echoed the language in his draft document, which declared all men are created equal. All men are created equal, quote unquote, and had an inalienable right to, quote, life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. OK, now, at the same time, he's owning Africans, depriving them of life, liberty and pursuit of happiness. This is the hypocrisy that Frederick Douglass highlighted. Now, Thomas Jefferson presented his draft to his fellow committee members and they made extensive edits before submitting it to the Continental Congress on June 28th. OK, June 28th, 1776, the drafting of the Declaration of Independence by the five man committee, as we see depicted in the painting from John Trumbo. Now, with the Declaration of Independence drafted, Congress was ready to debate Richard Henry Lee's uh, resolution for independence. But a test vote conducted on July 1st was anything but unanimous. A test vote conducted on July 1st was anything but unanimous. Pennsylvania and South Carolina hoped there was still a chance to reconcile with Great Britain. They voted against independence. Now, what's interesting is that it, um, when you have the drafting, when you have the uh, Constitutional Convention in 1787, spring of 1787, where when they're drafting the um, U.S. Constitution and debating on it, um, you have 13 colonies. They're debating in 1787 dealing with the U.S. Constitution, they debate to abolish the international transatlantic slave trade. The international transatlantic slave trade, we talked about this before, 
dealt with bringing Africans into the country to enslave them, the international transatlantic slave trade, which is separate from the internal slave trade within the 13 colonies within the U.S. That was still allowed to take place. But they're debating in 1787 abolishing the international transatlantic slave trade. All 12, co 12 colonies agreed to abolish it, except for South Carolina. South Carolina was the holdout. That's why they put the 20-year clause in the U.S. Constitution, which is Article 1, Section 9, Clause 1 of the U.S. Constitution, that the earliest that the international transatlantic slave trade could be abolished would be 1808, which is basically 20 years from when it's, uh, when it's signed. Uh, so March, March 2nd, 1807, the U.S. Congress votes to abolish the international transatlantic slave trade. It goes into the 1st January 1st, 1808, as stipulated by the U.S. Constitution that that's the earliest that it could be abolished. So South Carolina and South Carolina is also where the Civil War started. South Carolina was the first state to secede from the Union. South uh, December 20th, 1860. South Carolina didn't want to abolish the international transatlantic slave trade in 1787. Now, five states had already abolished slavery by 1787. By the time you have the Philadelphia Convention, where they're drafting and debating the Constitution, Connecticut, Vermont was the first one, July 2nd. 1777. You're going to have Connecticut. You're going to have Massachusetts. Um, in, in Philadelphia, you have the, uh, uh, Pennsylvania, I should say Pennsylvania, where Philadelphia is. You have the Pennsylvania Gradual Abolition Act of 1787. And you're going to have states that, or colonies that have either abolished slavery altogether or abolished the, uh, bringing Africans into those colonies of slaves. But you're going to have five, colonies or five states that have abolished slavery by 1787. So, so the whole, the whole way, as I said before, which is, which is why America needs a massive history lesson. The whole way this history dealing with slavery evolves is totally the, the way it actually happens is totally different than how many people think it happens. This is why America must have a massive history lesson. Okay. The whole way this thing happens is, is entirely different from the way uh, we think it happened. And as I said before, you know, in 1619, when um, the white line pirate ship comes into uh, Virginia, Point Comfort in Virginia with the 29 Africans, codified in 1619, we talk about 20 and odd Africans, 60, uh, August 20th, 1619. Codified slave laws don't exist in any of the 13 colonies at this point in time. The first of the 13 colonies to have codified slave laws is going to be Massachusetts in 1641. Codified slave laws don't even exist in the 13 colonies. Now you're going to have, uh, and, and those, those initial Africans, they're going to be put into a form of indentured servitude. And most of them are going to be released after about three to five years, something like that. Codified slave laws don't even exist. In, in the 13 colonies that become the United States. The way this history actually evolved is different than how we think it happened. That's why Before the Mayflower is so important by Lerone Bennett Jr. That's why the study from the Southern Poverty Law Center, teaching hard history of American slavery is so important that you hear me talk about. That's why this study is so important teaching hard history of American slavery because it documents how the history of slavery is being incorrectly taught in schools across the country. And then it lays out numerous methods to more 
correctly and accurately teach the history of slavery. You can download this from uh, SPLcenter.org, Southern Poverty Law Center. Okay. All right, let's continue here. Um, so with the Declaration of Independence drafted, uh, Congress was ready to debate Richard Henry Lee's resolution for independence. But a test vote conducted on July 1st was anything but unanimous. Pennsylvania and South Carolina hoped there was still a chance to reconcile with Great Britain and King George III, the monarch. OK, they voted against independence. OK, Pennsylvania and South Carolina. Delaware's delegation was split. And New York abstained its delegate delegates. As we said a little while ago, New York abstained its delegates. Were, uh, New York abstained. Its delegates were under orders not to impede a possible reconciliation. The next day on July 2nd, 1776, the delegates tried again. This time the vote had a different outcome. Caesar Rodney, a Delaware delegate, had ridden through the night to Philadelphia where he broke Delaware's stalemate. South Carolina changed its position and two of Pennsylvania's delegates simply abstained from the vote flipping their delegation in favor of independence. That day, Congress voted unanimously for independence. Now this is July 2nd. So Congress voted unanimously on July 2nd, 1776 to break away from Great Britain and adopt the, and they vote, they, they're voting for the Declaration of Independence and then break away from Great Britain. That's July 2nd. So why is Independence Day celebrated on July 4th as opposed to July 2nd. John Adams, co-author of the Declaration of Independence and second president of the United States, John Adams said the second day of July 1776 will be the most memorable uh, epoch in the history of America. He, 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 he uh, wrote this to his wife, Abigail Adams. He went on to say, quote, I am apt to believe that it will be celebrated by succeeding generations as the great anniversary festival. It ought to be solemnized with pomp and parade with shoes, sh uh, uh, shoes, S-H-E-W-S, games, sports, guns, bells, bonfires and illuminations from one end of the continent to the other from this time forward forevermore. But the document, the Declaration, Declaration of Independence, the document meant to accompany the resolution wasn't quite ready. On July 4, July 3rd and July 4th, Congress continued to discuss Thomas Jefferson's Declaration of Independence. On July 3rd and July 4th, Congress continued to discuss Thomas Jefferson's Declaration of Independence. The most heated debate concerned a passage about slavery in which Thomas Jefferson accused King George III of violating the lives and liberty of, quote, a distant people who never offered him captive. Now, this is this is interesting because Thomas Jefferson is profit, profiting off of the enslavement of African people. 
talk about the, the pot calling the kettle black. Okay. It's a, <laughs> the most heated debate concerned a passage about slavery in which Thomas Jefferson accused King George III of violating the lives and liberty of, quote, a distant people who never offended him, captivating and uh, 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 I'm sorry, capt captivating and carrying them into slavery in another hemisphere or to incur miserable death in their transportation thither, end quote. In another passage, Thomas Jefferson, who owned collectively about 600 slaves in his life, and we're not going to talk about Sally Hemings. Now, some people make the argument Sally Hemings was like seven eighths white, which is probably legitimate. Because this, I mean, it's screwed. See, this, this, you, when you go study this history, based upon how they determine what was white at the time or what was African or black, what have you, because of the intermixing of Africans and Europeans and the rape of African women and things like this, you're going to have some people who are technically white who were enslaved because of their ancestry and how much, how many white ancestors they have, or how much white blood. You're going to have some of them who are enslaved. Okay. And then, and they're going to say they're black. Right. So this is the, all this stuff just gets screwed, screwed up. And Africans are being stripped of their nationality and put into, um, this status of, uh, of enslaved and, and all this and stripped of their, their rights and everything. All, all this stuff just gets screwed up. So in another passage, Jefferson accused the king, King George III, of encouraging enslaved people to escape and join the English forces. Because, because, because the British said, you come fight, they told the enslaved Africans on the colony side, if you come fight for us, when this whole thing is over with, we're going to set you free. So we were born at night, but not last night. We wanted to be free. And then we're going to they're going to escape from the colony side, go to the British side and fight against the same and fight against their former slave masters. Now, although the debate was not documented, Thomas Jefferson later blamed South Carolina and Georgia for balking at the passage. But the entire Congress. But the but the entire Congress shared an economic interest in maintaining the institution of slavery. That's what I'm saying. The, the, the current, now you had, you had five states that are going to abolish slavery to varying degrees. Okay. But it is like a lot of them do. They had an interest in maintaining slavery. The entire Congress shared an, in, an economic interest in maintaining slavery. They knew that the colonies, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, when I say the five colonies about, about slavery, that's seven. That's by 1787. That's not here in 1776. Okay, that's at the Constitutional, the Philadelphia Convention in 1787 when they're drafting the Constitution and voting on it. Okay, this is still 1776, dealing with the Declaration of Independence. Okay, so this is like 11 years before that. So here, all 13 colonies have slavery. Slavery is in all 13 colonies. To the varying degrees. But the entire Congress shared an economic interest in maintaining the institution of slavery. They knew that the colonies economy was largely based on the labor of enslaved people. 
Many delegates, including Thomas Jefferson himself, held slaves and personally profited from their labor. This is what I'm saying, dude. This, the, this the, if, if this ain't the pot calling the kettle, if the pot calling the kettle black was a person, it'd be Thomas Jefferson. If the pot calling the kettle black was a person, it'd be Thomas Jefferson. Now, instead of laying the foundation for the abolition of slavery, the Congress deleted the controversial passage and combined the fleeting references to slave revolts with another line from Thomas Jefferson's draft that accused King George III of encouraging Native Americans whom they slurred as savage, quote unquote, savages to attack settlers at the British colony's western frontier. With the Declaration of Independence complete, the Constitutional Congress adopted it on July 4, 1776. It was received with great fanfare and July 4th, not July 2nd, is celebrated as the anniversary of American independence. Okay. So after this whole debate and they rectified this and they removed the lines of Jefferson and all this calling out King George the third, talk about just hypocrisy, just white folks hypocrisy. Okay. So they already voted on the Declaration of Independence, but they couldn't adopt it yet because they, they're still debating it, debating it. So now they, they have adopted it. Uh, the con uh, with the Declaration of Independence complete, the Continental Congress voted to adopt it on July 4, 1776. It was received with great fanfare and July 4th, not July 2nd, is celebrated as the anniversary of American independence. Most people don't know why. Most people don't know about this debate over slavery that took place. The new Republic's independence would at least be secured with its Revolutionary War victory in 1783. But for those the document left out enslaved African people, Native Americans and women and some of the African people who well, we know African people were in this land going back tens of thousands of years, at least 51,700 years ago. As Dr. David M. Hotep lays out in the first Americans were Africans documented evidence. Okay. So, um, and then you also, you know, you, you're also going to have, um, you also have some native Americans who, who are going to be enslaved to various degrees. Some of them are going to be enslaved. Some, you're going to have some native Americans who are captured here and taken into England as well. That's going to take place. Also, you have multiple things happening. Uh, but this is a continuation of the, 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 the history of the Moors in Europe and the African Moors in Europe and uh, the wars between African Moors and, and Europeans and all this stuff. And, the, and the, the African Moors are in England as well. They're in Great Britain, all of this. But uh, but for those the document left out, enslaved African people who stripped of their nationality, stripped of their history largely and culture, et cetera, et cetera, and language to varies varying degrees. Native Americans and women, the celebrated declaration proved to be anything but a guarantee of equality. So this is why one of the reasons why Dr. Shaka Musa Barashango called it the 4th of July. Dr. Shaka Musa Barashango, who wrote African People and European Holidays and Mental Genocide, this is one of the reasons why he calls it the 4th of July. Now, this is book two. OK, I showed you book one. Um, in the tweet I did, 
in the in the Facebook post I did. Let's go over to that here. I found I was able to find it. Posted this uh, posted this on my personal page and shared it on uh, my fan page, the African History Network. I said, uh, this is, so I did this July 4th. I said, today, July 4th is the 4th of July, as historian, author, Dr. Ishaka Musa Barashango called it. As a historian myself, we need to study today, not celebrate. Which is true. We need to study 1776, July 4th, and what led up to it. And what came after. We need to study it. Okay, I don't think we should celebrate. Now, if you want to celebrate it, okay, well, go ahead. I ain't go you know, I ain't gonna talk about you or something. I mean, I mean, you're okay. Go ahead. I'm not gonna fight you if you want to celebrate it. But any of these European holidays we celebrate, we need to at least study the history of it so we know what it is that we're celebrating and participating in. Because oftentimes you could be participating in your own dehumanization and not realize it. So this is book two, and on page. One of book two, chapter one, America's Independence Day, the 4th of July. He starts dealing with that history. We'll, probably, we'll talk about this some later in the week. And where's book one? Oh, book one is here. This is book one. Book one has the yellow cover, says book one. This is book two, has the purple cover. Now, I got these like 2010. Uh, so maybe the version today is going to be a little different. But this is what this is what it was back in 2010 when I got these books. All right. So if you like this type of information, if you like this history lesson here, then you want to register for the 10 week online course that I teach. where We deal with thousands of years of history. And we deal with what led up to the transatlantic slave trade taking place. We deal with ancient ancient Africa. We deal with ancient Egypt, ancient Kemet. Uh, we deal with Nubia, Kanahesi, uh, Ethiopia, all, all of that. Ghana, Shanghai, Mali. We deal with, we deal with that history. And then uh, we deal with the 800 year occupation of Europe by the Africans known as the Moors. And what led up to the transatlantic slave trade taking place. So it's a 10 week online course that I teach. Class number one just started up. Sunday, July 4th, 2021. Uh, this is, this is 10 consecutive Sundays. It's going to be 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, 10 consecutive Sundays. And it's, it's all online. Um, we do the class live. All the sessions are recorded. So they're archived. So you can go back and watch it over and over again. You don't have to worry about being in class at a certain time, anything like that. Okay. If you go to my website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, scroll down uh, the page. We have the information there. It's below information dealing with my radio show right here. Ten week online course. Class number one started Sunday, July 4th. Click right here, right here for register here. It takes you to the next page. Click on enroll. As soon as you register, you can start watching the content. You can watch class number one and the uh, Saturday class that I that I teach on the same subject matter, uh, the Saturday uh, course that is wrapping up. We only have like one or two sessions left in the Saturday course. So sessions one through nine are archived of the Saturday course. You can go back and watch all of that as well. 
You can watch the session where Dr. David M. Ho Dr. David M. Hotep spoke to my class. The session where archaeologist Nubia Wartford spoke to my class. You can go watch all of that. Okay, that's all archived. We'll post a link here uh, so you can register for that right now. And I have a new online course starting up. Uh, and I think that's going to start up in a couple of weeks. This class is, is going to be the first time I've ever taught this class, and I'm putting everything together now. So we'll be able to offer this. You'll be able to register for it in the next day or so. The new class that, I, that I'm going to teach, we're going to deal with from 1865, where, where the current class leaves off, basically. We're going to do an 1865 Civil War, Juneteenth, 13th Amendment ratified December 6, 1865. We're going to deal with from 1865 to 1965, that 100 year history. We're going to deal with a little more than 100 years. We're going to go up to about 1970 because we're going to deal with the Black Power Movement coming out of the Civil Rights Movement and SNCC and all of that. It's going to be 10 classes. It's going to be 10 weeks, 10 classes. Each class we'll go through and analyze about a 10 year period of time. We'll go and break this stuff down into 10 year periods of time. One of my teachers, Dr. Leonard Jeffries, when he teaches, he teaches in 50 year periods of time. We're going to go through and take 10 classes and break down and study a 10 year period of time. So we can really get deep into this. Okay. Um, so that's, uh, we'll be able to offer that in the next couple of days. I'm setting all that up now. Uh, lastly, I want to look at, uh, quickly here, before the Mayflower by Lerone Bennett Jr., before the Mayflower by Lerone, Lerone Bennett Jr., I talked about uh, codified slave laws not existing in 13 colonies till 1641. So if you look at page, um, this is the sixth edition, you look at page 443, landmarks and milestones, landmarks and milestones in the back of the book. You go down to 1641, okay? And it tells you Massachusetts became the first colony to um, to give statutory recognition to slavery. That's 1641, December 1641. Other colonies followed. Connecticut, 1650. Virginia, 1661. Maryland, 1663. Okay. In 1619, they ain't had codified slave laws in any of the 13 colonies. All right. So just the way we think this history evolved is totally different than what actually happened. Uh, New York. Uh, New York and New Jersey, 1664, South Carolina, 1682, Rhode Island and Pennsylvania, 1700, North Carolina, 1715, Georgia, 1750. So by the time of the constitutional, uh, by the time of the uh, Continental Congress, uh, 1787, 17, I'm sorry, 1776, when they're, when they are, um, drafting and voting on the Declaration of Independence, slavery's in all 13 colonies. Slavery's in all 13 colonies. So people who think that, oh, well, it, it didn't start until 1776, I'm like, no, that's not true. Slavery's already in all 13 colonies. Uh, lastly, there is an article here from, I think this one here is from USA Today. 
and this deals with uh, 1619. I think this is the one I want. 1619, 400 years ago, a ship arrived in uh, Virginia bearing human cargo. Uh, I think this is the one I want here. Yeah, yeah. Let me see something here. You can you can read this one here. This gives some of that information. I think this one does that. It gives some of that um, information. Sixteen, nineteen, four hundred years ago, a ship arrived in Virginia bearing human cargo. This is from USA Today, February eighth, two thousand nineteen. Um, okay, San Juan Batista, Portuguese uh, slave ship, San Juan Batista. We talk about before the Mayflower. We have a map here also. They cite my friend, Dr. Daryl Scott, history professor at Howard University, who um, he now says that, you know, they, they, it was a form of slavery. Chattel slavery didn't exist then in the 13 colonies. They didn't have codified slave laws, but uh, even though they're going to be freed after three to five years, you know, they're going to be treated something, you know, Treated like slaves, something like that. But they had codified slave laws then uh, in 1619. Uh, and while some declared that 1619 marked the beginning of slavery in England's American colonies, they are off the mark in at least two ways. First, Africans had been imported as slave labor in the English colonies of Bermuda before 1619. Second, the status of those 29 Africans from a white from the white line is still a matter of contention. Uh, the 1619 story is only important for the people who develop within the nation. That state becomes the nation state that becomes uh, known as the United States. Notes Daryl Scott, a professor of history at Howard, Howard University in Washington, D.C., and a past president of Asala Association for the Study of African-American Life and History, which is the organization that Dr. Carter G. Woodson co-founded September 9th, 1915. Uh, it's about how you define, he said, it's about how you define the history that you're telling. He points out that if one were to consider the migration of Africans from about the 15th century, one could also mark arrivals in Spain, Portugal, and Italy, as well as the Arab world. Uh, there's a tendency, okay, read the rest of this here. There was another, there was another article that I wanted to uh, find, and that's from uh, USA Today as well. Let me post this link here. There was one dealing with the governor of Virginia, Northrum, when um, he was interviewed by Gail King, and he referred to he referred to 
um, the, the 29 Africans, he referred to them as indentured servants. And he said he was citing a historian there at Point Comfort. And Gail King said uh, they're also called slaves, but in 1619, you didn't have codified slave laws. You knew that. Virginia Governor Ralph Northam slammed for referring to first indigenous servants from Africa instead of slaves. Okay, this is from February 18th, 2019, USA Today. And uh, he was interviewed by Gail King. I don't think Gail King knew codified slave laws didn't exist in Virginia 1619. But uh, you had... Uh, Kirk Eichenwald, who tweeted, and let me see, can we get, yeah, his, this is his tweet right here. He said, uh, he said, folk, he said, folks, learn your damn history. Northam is correct. First black African, oh, what the, does it take me to his tweet? Um, first black Africans brought to Virginia in 1619 were ditch servants. Gail King is wrong. There was no laws for slavery in Virginia till 1661. The codified slave laws, that's, that's basically true. Uh, the evolution from indentured servant IS to slavery is essential to understand the depth of evil of slavery. Yes, that's correct. This is why we have to deal with the real history. Now, it is true that you're going to have some of them treated like slaves and things like that or, you know, before it's actually codified. But still, 1619, when you go study this, there's a marker there in, 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 in Point Comfort. There's a marker there in Virginia that talks about how those initial Africans were released after three to five years. A lot of them go on to acquire land and some you're going to have some um, uh, Africans who come out of indentured servitude, acquire land, and go on to have indentured servants of their own, some Africans, some white. So in in chapter two of Before the Mayflower by Lerone Bennett Jr., he breaks down that history. You're going to have a 40-year period of time from uh, about 1619 up until but about 1650s going into 1660 where you're going to have this happen and you're going to have uh wealthy African-American landowners who own indentured servants, both white and African indentured servants. And this is a, it's a complicated history. It's not as black and white as people think it is. It's a complicated history, but there's enough radio for today. All right. If you'd like to stop our information, you can support the African history network, dollar sign, the AHN show, do cash app, dollar sign, the AHN show. Do cash app or do PayPal, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show. Paypal.me forward slash the AHN show. Um, and let me see who was that. Brenda. Hey, Brenda, thanks for the support. Um, we'll post the information here. And it's also at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. We're six days a week. Uh, follow us on our Facebook fan page, The African History Network, The African History Network, my YouTube channel, Michael M. Hotep, I-M-H-O-T-E-P. Remember, right now is correct. Wrong behavior is not over till we win. Wakanda forever. Register for uh, my online course, Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa 
Understanding the transatlantic slave trade where they didn't teach me in school. Remember, right now, it's correct wrong behavior. It's not over till we win. We're kind of forever. And we'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace.